I can't believe that you brought up this bull riding thing of all the things in my life. That's crazy. Um, somebody once said that to be a bull rider, you put marbles in your mouth, and every time you ride a bull, you spit one out. When you've lost all your marbles, you're a bull rider. So I don't know if that's something to be proud of or not. Um, I just want to ask you guys today, how's your joy? Be I ask that because um, for the Christians here, we should, be, we should have an overflow of joy um, for what we think about what Christ did on the cross for us. I mean, Sunday is such a special day for us. David said this before, it's a celebration. Now, for the skeptic or those that have some doubts or people that are seeking who Jesus Christ really is, those of us that are Christians, we want to help you with that. That's what the Grove's all about. We want to be a place to help answer questions for you, help you, help you take that walk and help you find Jesus. And we have the screens are up. That's awesome. I thought I was going to have to do interpretive dance up here, but now we've got the screen, so that's really good. Uh, let's see here. Well, and for me personally, I am I'm excited. I'm humbled. Um, I can't believe I'm up here, um, but I am joyous. I'm excited about this message. Um, I'm hoping there's a big takeaway message here this morning. Um, when I was a child, I went to church um, under protest. My mother drug me to church, and what I had heard at church was, uh, we have heaven and hell, go to church, you go to heaven, you stay home and, you know, play in the mud, you go to hell. Well, I didn't want that as a little boy, so I went to church, um, wanted heaven. Then as I got to be in high school and in college, I heard something different. When I went to church, I heard about God's stuff. You know, we get to go to church and we hear about uh, everlasting life, forgiveness of sins, I'm washed clean. I mean, this is all really good stuff. So that's why I went to church. But I realized that once I left church on Sunday that I stepped off into sinking sand. Um, you've heard that in the Bible. And this was true because something was missing. Um, I just wanted God's stuff. I thought that was it. Uh, it, was, it was a difficult time for me. Um, I was a stranger. I now realize I was a stranger to God all the way through that time period. I didn't even know it. You know, I, I, I had no idea I was a stranger to God. It's once I started to realize that I didn't need to go to church because I felt threatened or I didn't need to go to church for God's stuff. When I realized I went to church because I wanted a relationship with my father is when I, it finally dawned on me. This didn't happen by chance. This whole change in me happened because one person planted the gospel in me. They spoke the gospel to me. Um, this happened later in life. I wish it was earlier, but for some reason I didn't grasp what happened for me through Christ's blood on the cross until later, all because of one, one person. And that one person picked me up from the bottom of the ocean. I was spiritually dead, and they put me up on solid ground. They stood me on Jesus, and then I started becoming a piece of the rock, and that's what we are as a church, the body of Christ. So I am so joyful to give this message today. Um, the message is our joy in faith and works. Let's pray. Father, I'm humbled to come before you and all these fine people at the Grove to give a message and joy and faith. You are the one God. You are everything just, and you are everything beautiful. Father, we don't come into your presence casually. We want to pray and see you. We see you, the creator of, er creator of everything. We see you on your throne. We see Jesus at your right hand. We saw millions of stars and, and these beautiful, beautiful rainbows of emeralds and jasmine and sapphire. 
and there's angels. There's thousands of angels flying about your throne, and they're covering their eyes and their feet with their wings, and they're singing, holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty. This is a beautiful sight for us, and, and when we come into your presence, you welcome us up onto your lap. You are a loving Father. So again, we don't come into your presence casually. We, we thank you for your word today. I ask that I don't lean on my own interpretation of your word, my own understanding, but rather that my words are anointed by the Holy Spirit. Father, I also pray that we will see and we will taste your words today, that we'll see that they're more beautiful than gold and that they taste sweeter than milk and honey. And we pray this in your name. Amen. So today's message um, is on the joy and faith and works, and we're going to look at Matthew 16, 13 through 18. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do you say the Son of Man is? Who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And this is God's word. So what we're going to look at today, we're going to look at what isn't faith first, and then we're going to look at what is faith. Number three, we're going to see where does our faith come from. And number four, what do we do with our faith? What does it produce? So I have a, a quick little story to tell here. Uh, Sue and my wife Susan and I were members of Indian River Presbyterian Church, the church helped plant the grove. And during those 28 years, we would bring all the animals for the, uh, the Christmas nativity. Um, probably some of you have been there to see that. We would bring horses and cattle, and sheep, goats, and donkeys, and we would bring chickens. So I don't know if you can see in this picture, but in the back of the manger, back behind Mary and baby Jesus, are some chickens tethered to the hay. Uh, one Christmas, uh, one, of the, one of the folks there at Indian River Presbyterian Church said, hey, let's put the chicken up on this beam. So if you look at the picture, um, where the manger, where the baby Jesus is, and the, and, the, and the star, maybe halfway you'll see a little black square up there. That was a beam in the ceiling of the, of the manger scene. He wanted to tether a chicken up there. So put a little tape around his leg and tether it to that, to that beam. Well, Sue and I reluctantly agreed. So he put the chicken up there, and the chicken's name was Phyllis. It's really important. Um, she had this plume of feathers that stuck out of her hair, so she looked like Phyllis Diller. Um, so we put Phyllis up there, tethered her leg to the beam so she couldn't escape, made a little nest, and, and, and uh, the gentleman put a light on her so we could see her. Well, sure enough, as dark fell, the lights came on, and Phyllis was up there taking a little siesta. Um, about the time when people were four or five deep around this beautiful manger scene, Phyllis woke up, and she said to herself, Phyllis, let's take a walk. Well, as you can imagine, she walks off the beam... Down she goes. She's upside down, hanging from a leg. Well, if you know anything about chickens, when they're upside down, they pass out. So 
And that, you know, it wasn't a laugh. Everybody out there was gasping, right? Oh, my gosh, there's a dead chicken. So I, I run behind the manger. I grab a ladder, come in. I, you know, I have to hurdle like O.J. Simpson over some sheep and throw the ladder up. I climb up the ladder, grab the chicken, and I reach in my pocket, and I pull out my knife. Well, now everybody gasps again because there's going to be this animal sacrifice at church. Well, that wasn't the case. I, I, I cut the tether, flipped the chicken over. She became conscious again. I gave her to Sue. And uh, she went safely back into her cage, into the horse trailer. I'm telling you this story because this is blind faith, or rather blinded faith, as far as Phyllis. Um, she couldn't see. So is that where we get our faith? Is it blinded faith? Or is there something else? So let's take a, a quick look at verse 15 and 16. Oh, you know what? Before I go there, here, here's something that was difficult for me as far as blind faith. I read stories about a talking snake in Genesis, and I, I, you read the story about Noah's Ark with all the pairs of animals on it, and I have a very scientific background, a little bit difficult. And then you have a man swallowed by a whale and spat out, and how does this happen? And I, I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I want God's stuff. This was back when I was in college, so I'm going to have blind faith. I'm buying into this story. seems a, a bit far-fetched, but that's what I'm going to do. But again, is it blind faith? So... Um, when we look at verses 15 and 16, maybe this will help us out. So um, this is Jesus. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Part of the answer is right here. Um, as a Christian, this is probably the most crucial question that we had to answer. Who do we believe that Jesus is? And right here, Peter says he is the Christ, and that's the Messiah in Hebrew. He is the Christ. He is the guy that came back to rescue us. He's, he's saying this is who Jesus is. And oh, by the way, he's also the son of the living God. In other words, he's saying he's God. He, he is my rescuer, and he is God. And this is what brings us to our faith. So this is what our faith is. So I think we see what our faith is, and it's not blind faith. It's our faith that Jesus Christ is, is indeed the Messiah and, and the living God. When we, when we come to this understanding, it, it seems, well, gosh, that seems a bit, a bit simple, but it's, it's, not that, it's not that simple, and it's really hard to keep in our heart because what happens is we leave church on Sunday and our faith changes from Jesus to maybe it's our car or our boat or our wealth, or, or our job. For me, it's my boat. Sue hears me whining all the time. I want a bigger boat. I want a bigger boat. Um, I get OCD about the boat. Well, here's something that I know. The boat, the shine on that boat is going to wear off. And I also know that my joy in that boat is going to disappear at some point. But for Jesus, the shine will never wear off. Right? And the joy will never disappear. So my question is, why aren't we OCD about this Jesus? Because I don't need a bigger Jesus. Like, I need a bigger boat. <clears throat> so, now we see where faith, well, what faith isn't, where, what faith is. But where does it come from? Verse 17. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, 
but my Father who is in heaven. So let's unpack this a little bit. We have flesh and blood. That's us. Well, Phyllis would be feather and blood. But for us, it's flesh and blood. So he, what, what Christ is saying is that's not where you got your faith. Your faith came from the Father. And this is so cool because this is the creator of everything beautiful. This God that's outside time, space, and matter who created all of us and created the, the, the beauty of this place, he's the guy that gave us our faith. Now, there's some people that will push back and say, no, I came to faith. You know, one time I was down in the gutter and I thought to myself, I'm just going to go to church and see what's going on there. So I did this. Well, we're going to back this up with what Paul says in Ephesians. We're going to look at chapter 2, verses 1, 8, and 9. And you were dead in trespass and sins. Let's stop right there. You were dead. Do you know what dead means in Greek? It means dead. Okay, we're not, we're not floundering around. We're not in a lifeboat. We're not reaching up to God. Uh, we're not knocking on a door. We're, we're spiritually dead. So a spiritually dead person cannot help themselves find, find their, their faith. And, it, and in verses 8 and 9... For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing, but is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So I think we have to, when we read the scripture, we have to conclude something. Our faith isn't something that we mustered up. Our faith isn't something that we got from our mother or father or David Hancock. It's not something you got from your uncle, a co-worker, a brother or sister. Your faith came from the Father. It's this beautiful gift. Now, when you received your faith, something else happened simultaneously. And this is really cool. You got what's called your righteousness. Well, your righteousness means um, you're set right with God. You're made right. Well, Christ was right. He was perfect, okay? He was, he was righteous. He was this perfect guy, and he gave that to us. He made us right. Through him, and we'll get into a little bit more about that in just a second. So, at the same time, we, we got our faith, we got our righteousness. Now, here's what I want you to do just say to yourself, not out loud, just say to yourself here for a second, I am righteous. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first said that, it was difficult. I felt self righteous, I felt a little pompous. I mean, it's not something you jump up at work and say, Hey, I'm righteous. You know, people are going, This guy's crazy, you know, but you are. If you've got your faith, then you have to believe that you are righteous because at that time when Christ died on the cross, he died with your sins. He took your sins, your file of all this ugliness, and he took it, and it's forgotten. It disappears, and he gives you his perfect file, and you are now righteous, and that's what makes us good with God. If we weren't, if we had a little bit of sin here, God doesn't want anything to do with us, so we're perfect. Christ is this. This is called the atonement. It's a substitution of Christ's beautiful perfectness for our brokenness. God did all this because he loves us, each and every one of us. He saw this world where we became disobedient, and he sends his son into it. He sends his son to walk and talk and teach and live a perfect life. He met everything. He met all the laws, the Ten Commandments, all the laws of the Old Testament. Yet he died the death that we deserved because we were sinners. And this is where that substitution happens. He died that death so that there would be no more condemnation for any of us. 
He defeated death. He arose. So he was this example of in Christ we rise. And he is in heaven. This is what we have to look forward through. Through that faith in Jesus that is the Christ. And that Jesus that is also the son of the living God. We stand before a God with this righteousness that's not our own. That's pretty cool. That's something to be joyful about. So remember, and maybe you've heard this saying, you are saved by faith alone, but not by faith that remains alone. So right now, so what does faith produce? If it doesn't remain alone, if we've, we've received our faith without works, without doing good deeds, we have our faith, now what do we do with that? Well, that's our overflow of the faith. So we're going to go ahead and look at verse 18. And Jesus said again, And I tell you, you are Peter, over here, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Most modern-day theologians believe this is the most misinterpreted verse in the Bible. The, the older thought was, Peter is the rock. I mean, that's what it sounds like, right? Peter, you're the rock. Um, uh, there's the Pope, okay? Pope was a descendant of Peter, and then down more popes and more popes. But these modern-day theologians have said that, well, why would God put everything on one man's shoulders? Why would this one guy have to be the rock? There's a place in the Bible where Peter is actually preaching the gospel, and there's a Roman centurion, Cornelius, and he comes, and Peter explains the gospel to him. He falls at his feet, and he worships Peter, and Peter says, stand up, I'm just a man. So here's Peter, he's admitting he's a man, and he wants the, the Roman to stand up. Don't worship me. I'm not that guy. Now, as we read this, we see that something else that's, to me, very odd. He says, you are Peter. Who says that? When I'm at breakfast and, and Sue walks in in the morning, I don't look at her and say, and you are Susan. Well, she knows she's Susan. I know she's Susan. So what is Christ getting to here? Well, all the names back then had meanings. Peter, in Greek, was Petro. Well, Petro means a small piece of the rock. And then he says, and on this rock, well, rock in Greek means a big rock. It's Petra. So there are two different words in Greek. So we have Petro, small piece of the rock, Petra, big rock, like Gibraltar, mountain-sized rock. So what Christ is saying here is that, Peter, I want you to be a very important piece of this rock, and this rock is going to be the church. So, as a piece of the rock, which we all are, what is Jesus telling us? Well, he, he gives us instructions. He said, you are to go out, and this is, this is called the, um, the Great Commission. You are to go out and make disciples of all nations. So he, so he gives us something on our plate. In the 1800s, there was a very famous Reformed pastor and author. His name's Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon said, you are, if you say you're a Christian, you are either a missionary or an imposter. When I first read this, I thought, oh my gosh, this, these are some tough words. But what Charles is really saying here is that not everyone is gifted and wired to go to seminary like David and, and preach. Not everyone is gifted and wired to go to China, to be commissioned by a church to go to China under very difficult circumstances and spread the gospel. Not everybody's gifted to be part of Kairos, which is a, a men's ministry that goes into the prison system. But we all are gifted to speak the gospel. 
So we all have this small gift in us that we can share. Now, something else also happens. So, so we, got, we got our faith, we got our righteousness, and God gives us authority. Like, we don't have enough on our plate, right? So what, what he says, I give you all authority in heaven. So we have all the tools to spread the gospel. So why don't we? I think a lot of people are reluctant to share the gospel because it's awkward. Uh, people might find them, oh, you're, you're strange. Um, I think, for the most part, people are afraid of failure. I don't want to fail. I don't want to be a failure to God. But here's what God tells us. He knows all this is going to happen. And he said, go out in all your excellence and, and, and speak the gospel. And I know that there's going to be times where people won't have ears to hear it and eyes to see it. But when that happens and you fail, just rest in my grace because you're doing what I asked you to do. Again, that's something to be joyous about. We can't fail. We can't fail in God's eyes. You see, God says that you can't deny creation. It's out there. You see the sunrise. You see the sunset. You see beautiful stars in the sky, peacock's feathers. It's there. He, no one has to tell you about creation. You see it, you believe it, or not. But when it comes to the gospel, you don't see it. It has to be told to you. Somebody has to speak the gospel, or you have to read it. <clears throat> now, let's, let's look at an example of, of one man spreading the gospel, just like we should be doing, right? We're going to look into um, Acts 28. It's when the Holy Spirit tells one of Jesus' apostles, Philip, to go to Gaza. And when you get to Gaza, you're going to, see a, a man, you're going to meet a man there and talk to him. Well, this man happens to be an Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch is there because the queen of Ethiopia, Queen Candace, hires him to take care of all of her wealth. Okay, so, well, well let me stop there. Does anybody find it ironic that the Holy Spirit would send someone to talk to an Ethiopian eunuch, and this guy is in charge of Ethiopia's wealth. So the guy that's in charge of the queen's jewels lost his own. I don't know. I don't get that. But anyway, um, getting back on track here. So, so, so Philip sees, he sees the Ethiopian, he comes up to him, and the Ethiopian's reading something, right? And, and, and Philip says, Hey, what are you doing? And the, the eunuch says, oh, I'm, just, I'm reading this Old Testament scripture. I'm in Isaiah. And I'm reading about the sheep being led to slaughter. This stuff is really bizarre. How do I know what this is unless somebody explains it to him? And Philip's, I'm your guy. So he explains the gospel, that it was Jesus that was the, the lamb that was led to slaughter. And he tells him this whole gospel story. He explains the gospel to him. Well, the eunuch is so overtaken, he wants to be baptized. So so Philip takes him down to the water and baptizes him. And then the Ethiopian eunuch goes back to North Africa. Many scholars and historians believe that it was this Ethiopian eunuch that took that gospel. One man spread it to him and he took it back to North Africa. At the time, it was the biggest explosion of Christianity ever. And some of the most famous theologians, pastors and authors came out of North Africa during this Christian explosion. Augustine, for one. I mean, this, this guy's huge, right? He came out of that area. <clears throat> so, with one guy 
sharing the gospel with another guy and taking it to another country, things are growing. Now, after Christ's death and resurrection, the church was scattered. They went all over the earth. And people like Philip and people like you and I went to places like Antioch. Now, Antioch is where the term Christianity was first coined. People went, spread the gospel. It moved, it moved to North Africa, and it went to Turkey, and it went to Europe. And from Europe, it came across the ocean to America. And in America, it spread to the frontiers. And in the frontiers, it spread to Florida. And there's, there's a famous person here in Florida. Um, I think he's the second one from the left. This is Pastor Ryan Wood. And he's the pastor of West Palm Memorial Presbyterian. It was this man that was bold enough and courageous enough to come to Fort Pierce and spread the gospel. He planted the gospel in people in Fort Pierce, and that's what birthed Indian River Presbyterian Church. And then 51 years later, Indian River Presbyterian Church birthed all villages. And then another 15 years later, they birthed the Grove. And that's how we sit here today. So think about that. It all started with one man, maybe one eunuch that went to North Africa and somehow found its way to, to Europe and across on a ship and came to, to America and made its way to Florida. And this is where we're at, one man, just like each and every one of us. And one man that got their faith the same way we got our faith. So this guy was so courageous to get out of his comfort zone and come to Fort Pierce to plant the gospel. So we need to make it our prayer to God that we come out of our comfort zone and we speak the gospel to other people, that we plant the gospel in people. And remember, if we plant the gospel in people, churches will happen. You always hear church plant, church plant. It's not about a church plant. It's about planting the gospel in people. Maybe a, maybe a sibling or an uncle or a friend. Plant that gospel and they're, they're going to find the beauty and the joy that we should have here today. So Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church. We have work to do. Let's pray. Father, we see the gospel move from Antioch to Port St. Lucie. We thank the bold that left their comfort zone to share that gospel. Father, strengthen us to preach the gospel to ourselves every day so that we can be bold, intentional, and comfortable enough to share the gospel with others with great joy. So as we plant the gospel, Father, keep us from watering it down, watering down that Christ blood of the gospel and substituting it with Kool-Aid just to make it sweeter. So Father, we, we just pray that you'll help us with this gospel message, and I pray that I delivered your word faithfully, and that might bring about salvation for those that are outside of your grace. And I pray this through the power of Jesus, the risen and reigning Christ. Amen.